This is Warrior's Way Podcast, episode 45, and I'm James Eek. Compare our nature in respect of education and its lack to such an experience as this. Picture men dwelling in a sort of subterranean cavern with a long entrance open to the light on its entire width. Conceive them as having their legs and necks fettered from childhood so that they remain in the same spot, unable to look forward, and prevented by the fetters from turning their heads. Picture further the light from a fire burning higher up and at a distance behind them, and between the fire and the prisoners and above them a road along which a low wall has been built. As the exhibitors of puppet shows have partitions before the men themselves, above which they show the puppets. See also men carrying past the wall implements of all kinds that rise above the wall, and human images and shapes of animals as well, wrought in stone and wood and every material, some of these bearers presumably speaking and others silent. Do you think that these men would have seen anything of themselves or one another except the shadows cast from the fire on the wall of the cave that fronted them? If they were able to talk to one another, do you not think that they would suppose that in naming the things that they saw, they were naming the passing objects? And if their prison had an echo from the wall opposite them, when one of the passers-by uttered a sound, do you think that they would suppose anything else than the passing shadow to be the speaker? Then in every way such prisoners would deem reality to be nothing else than the shadows of the artificial objects. Consider then what would be the manner of the release and healing from these bonds and the folly if in, in the course of nature something of this sort should happen to them? When one was freed from his fetters and compelled to stand up suddenly and turn his head around and walk and to lift up his eyes to the light and in doing all this felt pain and because of the dazzle and glitter of light was unable to discern the objects whose shadows he formerly saw. What do you suppose would be his answer if someone told him that what he had seen before was all a cheat and an illusion, but that now, being nearer to reality and turned towards more real things, he saw more truly? And if also one should point out to him each of the passing objects and constrain him by questions to say what it is, do you not think that he would be at a loss? and that he would regard what he had formerly saw as more real than the things now pointed out to him. And if he were compelled to look at the light itself, would not that pain his eyes? And would he not turn away and flee to those things which he is able to discern and to regard them in a very deed more clear and exact than the, opposites, op, uh, than the objects pointed out? And if someone should drag him thence by force up the ascent, which is rough and steep, and not let him go before he had drawn him out into the light of the sun, do you not think that he would find it painful to be so hailed along and would chaff at it? And when he came out in the light that his eyes would be filled with its beams, 
so that he would not be able to see even one of the things that we call real. Then there would be need of habitation to enable him to see the things higher up. And at first he would most easily discern the shadows and after that the likeness of reflections in water of men and other things and later the things themselves and from these he would go on to contemplate the appearances in the heavens and the heaven itself more easily by night, looking at the light of the stars and the moon than by day the sun and the sun's light. And so finally, I suppose, he would be able to look upon the sun itself and see its true nature, not by reflections in water or phantasms of it in an alien setting, but in and by itself in its own place. At this point, he would infer and conclude that this it is that provides the seasons in the courses of the year and presides over all things in the visible region. And it is in some sort of the cause of all these things that they had seen. Well then, if you recalled to mind his first habitation and what passed for wisdom there and his fellow bondsmen, do you not think he would count himself happy in the change and pity them? And if there had been honors and commendations among them, which they bestowed one another and prizes for the man who's quickest to make out the shadows as they pass and best able to remember their customary precedences, sequences, and coexistences, and so most successfully in guessing at what was to come, do you think he would be very keen about such rewards and that he would envy and emulate those who were honored by these prisoners and lorded among them, or that he would feel with Homer and greatly prefer while living on earth to be serf of another, a landless man, and endure anything than opine with them and live that life. And consider this also. If such a one should go down again and take his old place, would he not get his eyes full of darkness, thus suddenly coming out of the sunlight? Now, if he should be required to contend with these perpetual prisoners in evaluating these shadows, while his vision was still dim and before his eyes were accustomed to the dark, and this time required for habitation would not be very short, he would not provoke laughter, would it not be said of him that he returned from his journey aloft with his eyes ruined, and that it was not worthwhile even to attempt the ascent? And if it were possible to lay hands on and kill the man who tried to release them and lead them up, would they not kill him? Wow. So this is from what is known as Plato's Allegory of the Cave. And this is one of the most important things that I think I've read and thought about in my life. It's an idea in writing that was scribbled down over 2,000 years ago. And it's still changing our lives when we think about it. The well of thought is so deep on this one that people use it to realize the reality of human perception as well as think deeply about thought experiments like 
if the lives we live are actually just a computer simulation. But I'm not going to get into that one. The thing to take away from Plato's cave is that what we perceive as reality is likely not what is really there. In many ways, we're all those people chained in a cave and watching shadows. Most people never realize this. They believe everything they see is reality. They accept everything they hear is truth. They believe their own delusions. And this is that the society we live in just helps this along. Being a martial arts instructor, you see this all the time. It's what we call the sparkly snowflake syndrome. It's the way we have raised a couple of generations now, believing that they are perfect just how they are. That they are right how they think. They, they can do whatever they want. And it doesn't matter that it makes a delusional and selfless or selfish society. I can't tell you how many times as a martial arts instructor I've been trying to help with form or various other aspects of training in a martial art. And a student has responded with an eye roll or a comment or just simple snarkiness. And it always strikes me as funny, ironic, sad, but funny. It's funny because if people are coming to learn how to do something they don't know how to do, the someone they're paying to learn from tries to help or to adjust and are basically told just to back off that they're wrong and that the mistakes are not really mistakes. They are, in Plato's description, the people chained to the wall of the cave. With someone who has seen that there's a bigger, different world out there, but are being treated instead like they're wrong. That the person looking at the shadows dancing on the wall in the cave are right. So back off and leave them alone. When we train in the martial arts, or anything for that matter, we need to take the approach of learning to empty our cup to have an open mind, to be a lifelong student who wants to improve. We need to not inject our own views or opinions into our training, or for that matter, into our lives. We should strive to lift the veil that shrouds the truth. And that truth is with a capital T, truth. When it comes to training that way, we always listen to the input of others. We realize how little we actually know. And we're constantly looking to improve. And we treat everything and everyone as our teacher. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone is always right. But what it does mean is you listen. You truly listen when someone's really trying to shine a light in the darkness. We respect what they are doing and support them because we know that doing so is a very tough path. It's a difficult row to hoe. We know this because just as Plato explained, the automatic response by most people when something is exposing us to something new is to doubt, to feel that they're somehow hurting us. And in a way they are. They're killing our old and outdated views and our way of doing things. They're forcing us to be reborn as a new and better person. This is what your martial arts instructor does for you, if he or she is worth their salt at least. They aren't necessarily your friend. There are times you might not like them, 
But if they're spending their time trying to make you better, anyone who spends their life in a pursuit of helping you deserves some respect, some loyalty, and open-mindedness. Realize that the message Plato was trying to tell us from 2,000 years ago is that what you think you see, you don't really see. What you perceive is not necessarily what is really there. Our own views, opinions, experience, drama, baggage, all cloud the truth. It doesn't matter what it is. You can go to a hockey game and no two people are seeing exactly the same game. We can agree on who won, but all the things, the experience of it, all that is on us. And this makes it so amazing that we can ever really agree on anything. It leads us to wonder if anything we know and anything we perceive is actually what's going on. It's an interesting world. (laughs) Be open-minded. Be thankful. Be respectful of others. And your truth is probably not theirs. All right. So we'll leave it there. Read the cave. You'll dig it. Let me know what you think. So, the question of the day. You talk a lot about jiu-jitsu. So do you think it is better than every other martial art? (laughs) No. I think that everyone should do jiu-jitsu because it's hard because it takes years and years to get decent at it, because it teaches you to deal with the things that suck. And if you don't do jiu-jitsu and you think that you're an awesome martial artist, well, you need to wake up and try it. Because I can guarantee you're in for an education. That black belt you wear around your waist doesn't feel the same after you've been butt-kicked by a white belt or a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. That said, I think that jiu-jitsu starts where other martial arts fail, which is why you need it. But you also need a striking system. You also need to know about punching and kicking. You need to know about weapons. You need to learn about fitness and get yourself to the gym. Jiu-jitsu will completely change your view of yourself and your life and your training and how much you need to learn. I have learned so much from jiu-jitsu. And I've also learned a ton from other martial arts. But there's a magic to jiu-jitsu, there's a magic to jiu-jitsu for making us see the truth. Nothing shows us the truth quite as much as rolling with some young girl that has way less experience and is tiny and is tapping us out when we're rolling. You learn very quickly what is real and what is perception. So, train. Train jiu-jitsu. But train kali and silat and kickboxing and jeet kune do and karate and judo and anything else you can find. But make sure jiu-jitsu is a big part of the mix because when all the rest fails and you need to defend yourself at 3 a.m. and someone's in your bedroom on top of you, you will need to survive the way jiu-jitsu teaches you. It's that simple. So I think we'll leave it there. If you get a chance, and you're listening to this thing anyway, so you might as well do it, 
Could you please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? That would make my day, and it helps gets, gets the word out about the Warriors Way podcast. Also, look for us on our Facebook page, and we have a website. You can also find me on Instagram under the Eek Academy of Martial Arts, and you could also check out all the cool stuff that I post for my martial arts school on the Eek Academy's Facebook page. If you like the stuff that I talk about, you can always pick up one of my books on Amazon. You can get it in paperback or e-reader formats for the Kobo and Kindle. And help spread the word. Tell other people about it. If you have a question of the week, please send it on in. I love hearing from people and what they think about the podcast and um, all their great questions. So there you go. All right. So get out there, get on the mats, train, read lots. Train hard and have some fun in this life because it's short. And be a good friend to other people. Thanks a lot.